Blog Talk Radio. Jesus, the missing years. It was raining, it was cold. West Bethlehem was no place for a 12-year-old. So he packed his bag and he headed out to find out what the world's about. He went to France. He went to Spain. He found love. He found pain. He found stores, so he started a shop. He had no money, so he got in trouble with a cop. Kids in trouble with the cops from Israel didn't have no home. So he cut his hair and moved to Rome. It was there he met his Irish pride. They rented a flat on the Lower East Side of Rome. Italy, that is. Music publishers. Bookbinders. Bible belters. Swimming pools. Origins. Yeah. Lots of pretty Italian chicks. Charlie bought some popcorn. Billy bought a car. Someone almost bought the farm, but they didn't go that far. Things shut down at midnight. At least round here they do. Cause we all reside down the block inside it. 23 skidoo Wine was flowing So were beers So Jesus found his missing years He went to a dance And said this don't move me He hiked up his pants And he went to a movie On his 13th birthday He saw a rebel without a cause He went straight on home And invented Santa Claus Who gave him a gift And he responded in kind Gave the gift of love and went out of his mind. You see, uh, him and the wife wasn't getting along. So he took out his guitar and he wrote a song. Called The Dove of Love Fell Off the Perch. But he couldn't get divorced in the Catholic Church. At least not back then, anyhow. Jesus was a good guy. He didn't need this shit. So he took a pill with a Coca-Cola and he swallowed it. He discovered the Beatles and he recorded with the Stones. Once he even opened up a three-way package for old George Jones. Charlie bought the popcorn. Billy bought a car. Someone almost bought the farm. But they didn't go that far Things shut down at midnight At least round here they do Cause we all reside down the block inside At 23's Skidoo The years passed by like sweet little days With babies crying pork chops and Beaujolais he woke up, he was 17. The world was angry. The world was mean. 
by the man down the street and the kid on the stoop all agreed to laugh stank all the world smell like poop baby poop that is the worst kind so he grew his hair long and he threw away his comb headed back to Jerusalem to find mom and dad and home but when he got there the cupboard was bare except for an old black man with a fishing rod So what you gonna be when you grow up? Jesus said, God. Oh my God, what have I got myself into? I'm a human corkscrew and all my wine is blood. They're gonna kill me, Mama. They don't like me bad. So Jesus went to heaven. He went there awful quick. All them people killed him. Wasn't even sick. So come and gather around me, my contemporary peers, and I'll tell you all the story of Jesus, the missing years. Charlie bought some popcorn, Billy bought a car, someone almost bought the farm, but they didn't go that far. Things shut down at midnight At least round here they do Cause we all reside down the block inside At 23's to do We all reside down the block inside At 23's to do Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, and that basically sums up John Prine's. It starts out silly, but with that last chorus, it just make it just breaks your heart, doesn't it? Yeah, he's he's someone that that of course you more or less introduced me to. I mean, I had heard the name and I and I knew a couple of the songs that other people had done. Uh, but uh, when we started working, you just said you loved him so much, so I checked into him. And more and more, man, uh, I I really appreciate him. And, of course, you know, the big song for me is the one off his last album, which, of course, uh, uh, you know, is is the perfect song to commemorate him. And and that's the Heaven song that he does at the end of the last... Yeah, when I get uh, to Heaven. Yeah. Well, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, yeah, that's Carl. He said, drink a cocktail, bike and ginger ale. I'm going to smoke a cigarette nine miles long. <laughs> yeah, that's me. And that was his cocktail of choice, bike and ginger ale. I forget exactly what he called it, but maybe an Uncle John or a Cousin John or something like that. Well, he mentioned aiming the his uh, uncle members, two uncles. Yep. But yeah, he got pneumonia, complications of the coronavirus. This has been terrible. Oh, originally, an Easter movie, but whoever has decided to knock out my net, man. Yeah, it's a little iffy. 
It's it's scratchy. I'm telling you right now. Well, that's just my voice. No, no, no. It was it was like you were in the tunnel. Well, I'm on a regular phone now. Yeah, you're okay now. But the thing is, is that I took this as a sign of God and the fact that YouTube doesn't work, that we should change it. And we were going to do this tomorrow night, but we moved it up. Yep. So, so, and we just, we just made that decision, what, about 45 minutes ago? <laughs> yeah. Something like that, anyway. Maybe that's proof that that Jesus doesn't want no one talking about Greaser's Palace on his resurrection day. I'm just saying, Carl. I I was ready to do it. God God will either forgive me or or strike me down. So one of the two is going to happen. It was my choice. So you don't don't get the uh, blame for that one. And, God, if you do strike him down, do it while we're on the air so we can get the listeners in. (laughs) Yeah, the coronavirus, man, it's real. It just seems like it walked in like a gangster with a machine gun in an old school gangster movie this week. This has been really tough. How how is it down in your in your area? What's going on? Uh, are all the oh, uh, restaurants? They're, they're they're just throwing out numbers, like five hundred confirmed cases. Two two hundred, about sixty of them are good. Have gotten better. Well, I I forget the news, what the numbers the news, here, but it, numbers it's to scare you, it, not to inform you. Right. Well, I tell you, up here it's scary. It it really is. Um, you know, I go out and there's nobody there, and 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 people walk on the other side of the street if you're coming toward them. I mean, it's 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 scary. And of course, all the restaurants, everything is closed. The restaurants are only open for. Uh, for uh, 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 takeout or delivery, uh, and yeah, I mean it's all the churches are closed, all the entertainment is closed. Uh, uh, nobody's riding the buses. They're trying to m- make sure that people don't ride the subways. It's shut down here. We don't have the national guard or anything like that. But you know the people that are dying and, and that sort of thing. We had. Uh, Yesterday, I think it was, or was it Friday? I guess it was Friday was the most deaths uh, recorded of coronavirus uh, in one day in one one place. It was something like 854. Uh, it's it's pretty crazy. But, yeah, let's see. Last night, uh, Merle Haggard, country legend, but... You have to really like country because he was really country, country. Absolutely, he was. I mean, one of his most biggest hits was, I think I'll just sit here and drink, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Nobu Nakagawa, I hope I didn't screw that name up, the guy who directed Haosu. Right. 
And, and you actually posted an, uh, an earlier show, I think we did in, what, 2017 with Mike? Yeah. Uh, and and, and, and uh, you want to take a look at that and, 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 and listen to it. Uh, so what, and if you can find the movie, watch the movie with the commentary. Because it's oh, it's a it's perfect. Criterion uh, it's on there. The Criterion channel. Okay. Yeah. So so check out the Criterion channel, and and listen to our uh, commentary. Uh, uh, it's a great tribute to to him and to that film. Yeah, and well, me and Mike were like talking how sad it was, because really that was the movie that brought us all together. Oh, absolutely. Every time I, I talk to Mike, it's like, Mike is in the house, which is, of course, how they do it in, in, in the movie. House. Yep. That's such a shame. Yeah. Such a shame. Yeah, we've been on death watch for Prime for about a week now, ever since he's gone in the hospital. And Carl was honestly shocked how much love he was getting, you know. Well, I, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. I, All them articles I, I knew like, he was... don't you take Prime from us, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but, but, but he certainly was... You know, well considered and well loved, not only within the music community itself, uh, but had several uh, uh, fans. One of the things, one of the articles I really liked was this gentleman who wrote one where his daughter loved John Prine, and he took his daughter to this concert, and uh, she was like 11 years old, and John and had gotten in touch with the people at his record company. And during the concert, he stops and, and wishes her a happy birthday. And that's the kind of guy he was. Seriously. Yeah. And what's funny is that he got to start playing songs in this little bar in Chicago. And there was this guy who was just, I think he was just like one or two years in of being the main movie reviewer for the Chicago Times. And he went to see this movie. I forget, They never did say, Brian, in the story, what movie it was. No, and I don't think never Roger did. Ebert wrote what movie it was. But he didn't like the movie, and the popcorn was too salty, so he left the movie and went down to this bar that was close to the theater. And he said there was this guy who called himself the singing postman playing, and and he fell so much in love with Prine that instead of writing about the movie for his review, he wrote a whole giant column on John Prine. And that's really how he got his first recognition. Yep. And yes, Carl, he was a postman, and that was his, that was the joke. Everyone jokingly called him, and he said, you're, you're the singing postman, because you deliver the mail and sing your songs. 
Yeah. One of his better songs that you need to listen to come from his days as a postman and delivering uh, big giant stacks of Reader's Digests, and that's uh, your flag the cow won't get you into heaven anymore. Yep. I can remember you laughing your ass off when you heard that one. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, how beautiful an opening line is that. I was sitting reading Reader's Digest in the back of a dirty bookstore. Nice. I mean, yeah, he could do that. More humane, like uh, his first album was considered classic, like... That's the one that a lot of people consider his best song on there, and that's Sam Stone. Right. Which was really one of the first songs about talking about how the boys came back from uh, Vietnam with uh, drug habits. Yep. You know, and he did a lot of songs like that. He did another song, uh, I Can't Write Left-Handed. Yeah. Too, which, which was about uh, uh, someone coming back from Vietnam uh, who lost his right right arm. Yeah. Well, he was in the army before he became a postman and a singer. Yep. And one of the funnier stories is after Chris Christopherson heard him, he said. This boy is so good, we need to break his thumb so we can have a chance. Yeah. And Chris Christopherson was the one who got him his first album deal. Yep. I mean, there's so many great songs from him. There's Paradise, where he talks about how this little town he grew up as a kid was destroyed by strip miners. Right. Uh, hello in there. Yep. He could write about. He was a young man who could write about being an old man. Someone said that in one of the articles, and that's true, don't you think? Oh, I I would agree with that actually. I would agree with that. And he was a tough son of a bitch, too. I mean, he survived cancer twice. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he looked at cancer and was like, hey, cancer, fuck you. And the second one, he almost lost his voice, and that's why he had his gravelly voice he had in his last album. Right. But his most famous song, two most famous songs that, well, one, he didn't even take credit for helping to write, and the first was uh, Angel from Montgomery. Right. You probably knew that one from Bonnie Raitt, didn't you? Absolutely, I knew that one from Bonnie Raitt. But you didn't know who wrote it. Wait, this is you. Yep. Did you know who wrote it? No, no, I didn't know who wrote it. No, to be honest, no. And, of course, one of the funniest, if not the funniest, true song about every country music cliche of the 70s ever 
which is you don't even call me by my name. Right. Which it was is like my friend sent it to me, and I said it was almost perfect. And Brian actually said that he said this to him. He said after they finished writing it, and he's like, this is our best song. He's like, it's almost the perfect and country-western song. He's like, what's wrong? He said, there's nothing about mama, prison, trains, and trucks. And so Pride yep. come up with this little ditty right here. And he said, this made it the perfect country and western song. And it was, I was drunk. The day my mom got out of prison, <laughs> I went to pick her up in the truck in the rain. But before <laughs> I got to her, she got ran over by a damned old train. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's funny. You can't listen to John Prine. Well, you some of his songs will break your heart, but they always make you smile too. Well, you know what? I love that song that he did uh, about uh, 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 the Hawaiian. Oh, let's talk dirty in Hawaiian. Yep. Yeah. Come lay. What is it? Come lay your your tiki stick on my coconut. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. And who really listens to what he's saying in Hawaiian? It's really some very dirty words translated. Oh, yeah. Like, come a lick a come a lick a kitty, come a lick a kitty in the midi in the diet. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Good stuff. I mean, Good stuff. Yeah, I, I, I love that song. Hit, but he took some time off after his cancer, but he got so tired of the main things that he started his own record company, which you probably knew the record company before you knew him, Old Boy Records. Right, exactly. And he used that to primarily put his own stuff and a few of his friends. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he came out with some, his, uh, he, his first Grammy he won for uh, the album The Missing Years, the one which the song we had at first was on. You would think right. that someone would write a song like that and it would be, sacrilegious and blasphemous, wouldn't you, Carl? Well, I'm not saying it's not, but uh, it's it's a good song. Well, you know, yeah, it's like uh, The Last Temptation of Christ, it humanizes him. Right, exactly. Exactly. But that was hilarious. He said, Rome. I heard you crack up when he said book po- music publishers. Yes. <laughs> music book publishers. Book binders. <laughs> Orgies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he is funny as fuck. Let's let's face it. 
Yeah. He, he, he has a real good sense of humor. Which is always and then I love that at the end he said, that fisherman asked, he said, what are you going to be when you grow up? And then God. <laughs> and then it was like everything just hit him all at once. Yep. Like the prayer in the garden. But yeah, he had, you won't believe it, but his last album, the one that you really fell in love with him with, uh, The Tree of Forgiveness. Yep. Number six on the top 40 charts. Yep. Okay, you're breaking up, Stephen. It's the weather. Deal with it. I know, I know. I'm just letting you know. Okay. Don't pull back the curtain. God damn it. How many times have I told you that? (laughs) Well, I'm just letting you know. (laughs) They know it's fucking up. I I am producing, you know. You did. (laughs) I am producing. I'm just letting you know. It's skunk territory. (laughs) The dude is ignored. (laughs) <laughs> kind of hard, yeah, but I'll, so I'll, many I'll great try. Songs on Tree and Forgiveness, uh, Egg and Daughter Night, uh, Lonesome Friends with Vicky Love. I Found My Love Today. What song on the album? One of the most perfect ending. Which is when I, which I love because most songs about dying or slumber. Yeah, yeah. I, I I will tell you this. I have thought over the years of doing a uh, um, whole thing on on uh, you know when I die to have like a playlist of songs I want to play. Uh, uh, at my at my funeral, at my wake, and I can guarantee you, when I get to heaven, is on that list. No question about it. Seriously. Are you there, Stephen? Stephen. Okay, Stephen is gone. Uh, we may have to do this again. We'll see. I'll see when he gets back. Hey, you back? Yeah, I'm back. Okay, I, I, I'm just a little worried with all the technical problems here. Oh, don't worry about it. But what I love about that song is, you know, like I said, most songs about heaven are somber, sad, and dark. Mm-hmm. With uh, with his song, it's like, dang, heaven's going to be like a big party. It's a blast, you know. Well, you know, that I was just saying when you were cut out that uh, I have a playlist. Uh, when I die, I have a playlist of, of some of songs that I want played in my wake, and I guarantee you 
the John Prine song is going on that list when I get to heaven. No question about it. It's a great song. And it screams no me, as you said. Uh, actually, there is no Zappa on that list. Mm, good. There's Wilder and Wainwright the third, though. But that's one other thing, actually. Now that I bring that up, John Prine, when he came out with his uh, album in 1971, uh, his debut album, these singers would get in this trap saying they're the next Dylan, right? And Loudon Wainwright also got into that trap. And, and what they had to do was to forge their own identity. And certainly Prime did that without a doubt. He was no longer Dylan or a Dylan wannabe. He was John Prime. And he did that basically by his second album. Well, they asked me once, he said, they asked me, he said, Mr. Prime, how does it feel to be labeled the next Dylan? He's like, hell, if I make the money he does, I won't be sad about it. <laughs> yep, understood. But yeah, he came out of that 70s batch where we got guys like Chris Christopherson, uh, well, Merle Haggard. Uh, Willie Nelson, uh, Johnny Cash, and his first really big reinvention of himself. Right. Yep. That's for me why I like 70s country, because it was so unique. There wasn't no formula to it. You never know what you would get. Yep. You would get stuff like Lane Campbell and Stafford, but yeah. It was like uh, two or three weeks ago, he had pneumonia due to the corona. He beat cancer twice, but he didn't beat this. If that wasn't running so crappy, let's there. Well, we'll move on. And Carl, there's one that Carl beat, like. And he just liked it because he was in a porno film directed by John Avildsen. That's the only reason Carl likes him. And that's his only worth in the world. (laughs) (laughs) And you were so full of shit, it's not even funny. And, of course, who we're talking about is the great character actor, Alan Garfield. Alan Garfield was was the first actor that I felt could play me. I love this guy. And and he ended up playing a lot of sort of spoily villains and, 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 and just not nice guys. But let me just tell you some of the movies he was in. Okay. Uh, after his first film, he, he uh, he's in Greetings by Brian De Palma. He's in Putney Swope. Okay. He's in, again, Hi, Mom, which is the uh, uh, sequel to Greetings. Then Taking Off, which is uh, a Milos Forman film. He's in Bananas by by, uh, uh, Woody Allen. Cry Uncle, which is the movie that you're referencing by John Appleton. This is before Appleton hit it big with uh, with, uh, Rocky. Uh, It's actually uh, not a porno. It's... it's, uh, 
but it is definitely NC-17 without it's a, a porno. doubt. It's a porno. It's not a porno. He's in the movie. I know, but you don't see it. <laughs> you don't see it. It's not hardcore. <laughs> that's because uh, Lloyd Kaufman. <laughs> that's because Lloyd Kaufman pretty much censored all, any hardcore scene. That's why the Alan Garfield scene, which in Avildsen's cut, you could actually see what was going on. <laughs> There's no freaking light in it at all. <laughs> well, I prefer the non-hardcore, okay? And I don't consider it hardcore because that's the version I saw. Uh, and I saw that at the drive-in, that, by the way. Um, uh, the organization, which is the uh, 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 sequel to uh, the Virgil Tips movies he was in, Um then he's in one of my favorite. He has a little cameo in one of my favorite black exploitations, which is Top of the Heat. Again, he goes back to the Palma with Get to Know Your Rabbit, and then we start getting into some of the really meaty roles. That's a really good meaty role. Michael Ritchie's the candidate, um, and he plays uh, Peter Boyle plays Robert Redford's uh, uh, PR person, and. Uh, uh, and uh, Alan Garfield plays the uh, other guy's PR person. And there's this great scene between him and Peter Boyle. It's just absolutely friggin' awesome. Um, he also played one of the main villains in the first movie of Kojak, which is the Marcus Nelson murders. Now I would like to say something real quick. Uh, the organization... I didn't like any of the two Virgil Tibbs sequels. I mean, he was so great in a really socially changing movie like In the Heat of the Night. To see them put him in a generic cop movie was... I know, I know. It, it, they're, neither one of them are that good. But, but again, take a look at what Alan Garfield did in that role, and he did really well. Well, how many no, movies do we love that basically uh, one guy, one guy is like, yeah, that movie sucked. Yeah, it does, but blah, blah, blah was bad, was very fucking good in it. Yeah, and that, that happens. Then we get a one-two punch with him, okay? And and if the net was good, we had this... Uh, uh, Thing from Busting. Busting is a film that I love. Uh, Peter Himes directed it. It's uh, basically one of the first buddy cop movies. And it's Elliot Gould and Robert Blake. And thereafter, Alan Garfield. Alan Garfield plays this really oily, uh, uh, high-class mobster. And, man, he just... The 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 uh, interplay between them is just fucking awesome. Oh, and and, and this one has Sid Haig as a bouncer too, so you got Sid Haig as a bonus in busting. Then probably that's on known. almost everything back then, but he wasn't good enough oh, yeah. to be mentioned on the Oscars. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> but probably the best known film for Alan Garfield. 
or at least one of them is the conversation where he plays this uh, 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 rival to Gene Hackman. And and he's just fucking phenomenal in this movie. And 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 personally, I think it, I think it's uh, 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 what's his name, uh, the director, Coppola. Coppola. I think it's Coppola's best film. I think it's Coppola's best film. Oh, and guess what? Okay. They just re-released the new 4K print to theaters last month, right before the coronavirus hit. What of uh, of what? The conversation? Yeah. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah. So hopefully was, some of you saw was that. Going to hit, it was going to replay theaters, but the coronavirus knocked that the fuck out, too. Huh? Yeah. Hey. So just continuing, we're, we're only at basically 1974 right now. Um, he is... In the remake of the front page, directed by Billy Wilder, unfortunately not a really good movie. But then he plays the the husband of Ronnie hey, Wesley in Nashville. So uh, <laughs> but he plays the husband of Ronnie Black Blakely, who actually broke the news over the net on Facebook that he had passed, and that's in Robert Altman's Nashville. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Carl, am I joking when I say that Billy Wilder, the front page, gave us Dolomite? I have no idea what you're talking about. Rudy Ray Moore went out after a club on the... Oh, oh, that's that right, that's right, that's right. Yep, that's right. I forgot about that. And he uh, watched the front page, and he's like, I could do better than this. Yep. <laughs> and he's yep. like, and they number white folks in it. <laughs> yep. And to continue with Alan Garfield, and, and as I said, now we're in 1976. Uh, one of my favorite films, not, not one of uh, Stephen's favorite films, well, one of mine is Mother Jugs and Speed, and he plays well, the... Let's go back um, one uh, to Nashville and really tie it in. We lost two actors from Nashville this week. Oh, yes, yes. Go ahead and, 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 and go back it's to Nashville cool. and give us that one. Timothy Brown, he played... He was the... Uh... In MASH, he played Corporal Judson in it. And on the TV show, he played Spear Chucker Jones, but he was in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Because once Altman found the... Na- How come uh, Altman only worked with Garfield once? Uh, I don't know, but he only worked with him once. Usually when uh, Altman finds someone... That is good. He brings them back. But again, Altman, Altman was not the easiest person to work with. So if you didn't hit it off with Altman, he wasn't going to use you again. Yeah. So maybe that's the case in this case. I've never heard any stories of them having the big brouhaha on the set. No, neither have I. 
But then like, again, like, you've never heard any stories of Alan Garfield going nuts and going, blah, 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 I kill you, blah, blah, blah. Period. No. No. Which is probably no. how he uh, got so much work is that he was. Well, he was good. Easy to work he with. was so freaking good. Uh, okay, so we stopped off at Mother Jugs and Speed, which I love. And that's a Bill Cosby, uh, Harvey Keitel. And uh, and Raquel Welch as ambulance drivers, and uh, he plays Alan Garfield plays the owner of the of of the fleet of uh, and and Larry Hagman's in it too, and it's a really dark comedy, but it's very funny. Yeah, and that's I do the like problem it. with it. What it goes too dark, and then it goes too silly. It screws up that delicate balancing act. See, for me it works. But I understand exactly why you would say that. I mean, I can see that. But for me it works. Well, I'm not saying it's a horrible film. I'm just saying that it's a three-star when it could have been five easy. Okay. Yeah, and, 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 and Kytel is fucking great in it, too. Yeah. It's really good. It, I think everybody arguing with uh, Garfield is fucking brilliant. Oh yeah, the two of them going at each other is just fucking amazing. And and so anyway, his father passed away, Alan Gar. So there was a period of time that he was credited as Alan Gorwitz, which is his actual name. And the one film during that section that we have to talk about is The Brinks Job. And he played Benny Costa in that. And that, of course, was directed by Friedkin. So look at all these great directors he's played. But then we get to one of the great ones. And that would be the stuntman. Let me say something real quick. Okay, go ahead. The problem with the Brinks job is the story is so bizarre that when Friedkin was 200% faithful to the story... People thought it was bullshit. <laughs> and what the story is is that Peter Falk went to the place to scope it out. Uh-huh. And it's character. And he found out that they didn't like the fucking doors. <laughs> so he was like paranoid as shit. Like, they're going to bust me. They're going to. What? You're fucking kidding me. <laughs> so he just walked out with a thousand and got went there. And him and his boys ended up going back there maybe two or three times, was it, just to get money? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gorwitz is one of the guys that works with him. And he's very funny in the movie. Yeah. And it is a comedy. Um, okay, so we go on to there, and I'm skipping a lot of stuff. But the stuntman is one of the great films, which I love, and Peter O'Toole is great. But Al, but but uh, Alan Garfield is in this, and he has a, a couple great scenes with uh, uh, with O'Toole, and it's 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 a wonderful film. Grillsback's best wonderful. movie. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, uh, great film. And then he was in. And we for, I forgot about this, 
But, you know, the John Belushi movie we talk about that was actually a real different type of film for him, and he was really good in it, and then he fucking died. You know what movie I'm talking about? A Continental Divide or uh, Old Girlfriend? Uh, Continental Divide. Oh, yeah. So, so, yeah, he played the editor in chief. Yeah, exactly. Played Howard on that. Yeah. That was... Yeah. And he had a great improv. Yeah. He did. He did. He's like, I'm all and afraid of him. I'll stay here. And he's like, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, and he did a lot of improvising. And I'll get to something else. But he did a film uh, that I love. And, and he was one of the, the – it's called The State of Things. It's by Ben Benders. And Benders used him a couple times. And and this ben one is uh, never, Patrick – never – for the people just saying who don't know him, Benders was never known to use such little cinematic things as scripts. <laughs> yep. But but this one is basically uh, uh, this filmmaker who's making a film in Spain, uh, and he's a German filmmaker, so he's a stand-in for vendors. And he's doing uh, a remake of a Roger Corman film, and they run out of money. And uh, and uh, Alan, Alan uh, uh, Garfield plays uh, uh, a shady lender. Uh, that Patrick the Backhall has to go, and he has one of these scenes where he's, he just, you know, he, he he just rips it up in like five minutes. He's so fucking good. <laughs> no, uh, and so that's one I recommend. Another one, of course, and we love the movie directed by Alan Arkish is Get Crazy. And he plays the the head of the uh, of of the concert band, and he's. Again, hysterical in the movie. You can watch this on YouTube. It's a crappy print, but that's pretty much all that fucking exists nowadays. Yeah, that's a shame. Daniel Kramer is working with Alan Arkish right now trying to find that, find a good print. They're trying again to get it out. Well, so, so, and I did hear that it is coming out, actually. I did hear yeah, it's coming out. Yeah, it is out. coming out, but like I said, like I said, you said, the print problem. Yeah. Yep. So, so the another negatives person, were uh, fucking lost. Pardon me, use the word yeah. fucking, but they were lost, vanished into the mist. Yep. And it's a damn shame. It's a really funny film. I love that movie. And Malcolm McDowell's in it as, as Mick Jagger, and he's hysterical. And, of course, uh, tell them that there's actually a, uh, a a sequel to Get Crazy, sort of, kind of. Right? Yeah, Love Actually. Uh, Bill Nighy plays Malcolm McDowell character 20 years down the line. <laughs> <laughs> and he's hysterical. And you know who's uh, funny <laughs> and Get Crazy that you wouldn't think would be funny? <laughs> yeah, but it Lou is. Lou Reed. Yo, oh, they're all fucking hysterical. 
Uh, so is B.B. Yeah, King. but you wouldn't think that Lou Reed would be funny. Oh, he's hysterical. Yeah, Lou Reed basically spends the whole movie up until the end credits driving around in a cab where the guy doesn't know where the hell he's going and he doesn't either. (laughs) It's a beautiful film. And please watch it. Go on YouTube and watch it. And you'll love Alan Garfield in it. Alan's just fucking great. You'll love everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, then he has a nice little role in Francis Ford Coppola's The Cotton Club. All right, right. The new and cut then is then, better. That's what I understand. I, I haven't seen the new cut yet. But the new cut is supposed to be much, much better. Uh, then one of the films that you would probably know him from, he played the uptight uh, 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 police captain in Beverly Hills Cop 2 against Eddie Murphy. Yeah, and, and you know what the sad part about the Cotton Club is, and that's uh, something okay. that Coppola said after. He said if he would have been able to watch dailies, he would have rewrote the whole script to basically get rid of the, uh, what's his name, who's in Pretty Woman, and Officer and a Gentleman. Richard Gere. And he said he should have focused on the real love story of that movie, which is... Uh, Fred Gwynn and uh, Long Good Friday. Oh, Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins. Yeah. And really, that is the best part of the movie, is any scene with Bob Hoskins and Fred Gwynn together. Oh, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. So, I, I got one for you. So, who cares about the kids that started this? Would you watch a movie with the following cast? Richard Roundtree, Michael Pollard, Elliot Gould, Henry Gibson, and Alan Garfield. Would what you watch it? that movie? What is it? Remember, I told, it's called The Night Visitor. Oh. And basically, well, basically know. it's a student. Well, well, you know, let me put it this way. A student known for telling stories witnesses a murder, the latest in a series of satanic killings of hookers. And guess who is the killer? Who? Alan fucking Garfield. Oh, yeah. And he That's the one they changed now. the title. Okay. I know it now. You know what the original title of it was? What? The Night Stalker. Oh, okay. They changed the title because in between the time they filmed it and when it started to come out, Alan Garfield isn't a skinny-ass Mexican guy. <laughs> <laughs> so their movie well, this became is out of so this was a D- Yeah, this was a DTV film. Right, yeah, this is DTV. But... but Everybody in it, though, is having a blast. So it's fun. And he has some other roles, too. But I was just, I mentioned Ben Benders, and I'm going to end at this here. Uh, Well, no, I'm not, actually. Uh, But Until the End of the World, 
there's now a four-hour and 20-minute cut that's available on Criterion Channel. I'm about three hours and 30 minutes into it. Um, and he has a very small two-minute roll. And he beats the shit out of William Hurt and uh, Solbedge, Don Martin. And I'm going to give you how he's credited in the movie. The blocked Bogenhandler. What is that? I don't know. Think Black about something. It. Okay, Gebrocht Bagen Handler. Bagen Handler. Wagon Handler? Used car salesman. Oh. <laughs> Used car salesman. They tried to give him cash. I don't want fucking cash. <laughs> Why do you want to give me cash? Because you're fucking, you know, uh, 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 Criminal. If you're a criminal, I'm going to take your fucking money. He pulls out a gun. <laughs> Give me your money. <laughs> He's hysterical. <laughs> so here's one for you. We got in an argument yesterday or, or a couple of days ago. Um, uh, who's the best uh, uh, Roy Cohn in film? And and I got into this. And I say, of course, it's, uh, uh, it's Citizen Cone. And and uh, I'm trying to think of his name right now. James Woods. Come on, James Woods. Thank you. And and uh, uh, so so Alan Garfield has a major role in that as one of the people that James Woods and Roy Cohn fucks over. Uh, I and, can and remember they go James that. Woods was the more awarded actor when he performed. Roy Cohen in the play. Right. And then years later, it was Angels in America, and, and uh, Al Pacino plays Cohen. And That's that what was I'm talking who about, I was in arguing. America. Uh, yeah. He was no, uh, Roy Cohen in the play, too. Right, I uh, know. Woods. I know. I'm sorry, but that era of Al Pacino is his... And you got her head up her ass <laughs> all the I way. Know. <laughs> I much prefer James Woods. Yeah. And, and I was getting hammered for it, but but yeah. And he wouldn't hammer me because I was basically wasn't giving it to him. <laughs> so guess 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 who else? Uh, Alan Garfield worked for. Oh. Well, uh, what movie did we see yesterday? Oh, uh, Performance. Right? Who directed yeah. Performance? Yeah, he was uh, a member of uh, Rogue Stock Company for a tiny bit. No, it's not Rogue. Didn't work for Rogue. Oh, he was in Wildside? He was in Wildside. I've never seen that one because it's never really been out. No, no, I did see it, and he is in it. Uh, again, a small role, but he's in Wildside. Uh, and and uh, then, basically, his last major role, because he had a uh, stroke, was The Ninth Gate, which is working with Polanski. But right before he passed away, he was also in The Majestic. Um, 
and then in nineteen and two thousand two he had another stroke and then he had to retire. And he played the bookseller in the ninety eight, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah, that's why in the second scene with the bookseller where he's supposed to be there and Johnny Depp just finds the pages. Right. Alan Garfield's not in it. That's because he filmed it after the stroke. Right. Exactly. And I like the Nice Gate more than most people. Well, basically because I know what plot point Polanski left out, and he said he did it because he could. Mm, you're a fucking idiot. Well, all all I gotta say about Alan Garfield is check out his IMDb. Look at all the directors that he worked with, and of course he was in <coughs> several TV series too. He did a lot of. Uh, uh, he even did a Love American style. You know, love you know, so, 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 American style. <laughs> yeah, he plays an alien. He does. A real, you know. Uh, but anyway. When uh, they showed the reruns on ABC Daytime when they tried to revive it. Right. Yeah, how scary is that that they tried to uh, revive uh, it's that? Very scary. It's very scary. Absolutely. But but he was a real New York actor. Uh, you know, a couple other films he was in, Dick Tracy, uh, uh, Miracle Beach, you know, just, and he had a recurring role in Chicago Hope. He was just Dick all Tracy over the place. Yeah. But anyway, uh, it was really sad for me to hear that he passed away, even though he'd been retired for a number of years. Uh, because I've always considered him one of the best uh, character actors out there. And um, really, if you want to see him at his best, absolutely, uh, uh, you've got to go and and, and uh, check out uh, uh, Busting. Busting is just, I think it's his best work. He's just so fucking good in that movie. Seriously. So anyway... Our, our our condolences to his family and that sort of thing, but I get definitely. And every had to time spend some one time of these guys die, we keep saying this, and we can't have an answer. Which is, where are we going to replace these guys? You're not. They're not going to replace him. You know, yeah, I tell you, the guy. I tell you, the guy closest to him, without a doubt. Is Paul Giamatti, but Giamatti doesn't play it as oily as him. He can play oily, but but that was that was Garfield's main main go to. There's only one real movie where uh, Giamatti played the oily, scummy bad guy, and that is Shoot 'Em Up. But then, yeah. of course, he was playing Yosemite Sam. Yeah. You wascally wabbit. <laughs> but what I mean is, where's our next generation of character actors? We got the pretty boys. We always got the pretty boys, but we don't have the character actors anymore. I tell you, you got one. 
that I think is really good. He gets a lead role every so often. But Sam Rockwell is fucking awesome. Yeah. There's Sam Rockwell. Uh, you don't see Bushimi get work anymore. Uh, well, that's because he, he's gone behind the scenes a bit, but Boardwalk Empire is just friggin' awesome. Yeah. Yeah, but the Buscemi's of the world, you know, all of that. We were spoiled because we were growing up in the last really big, and some people will call it the best. Stephen Stephen just uh, uh, went out again. It happens. Um, we'll try to get him back here in a moment. Uh, there is a, uh, definitely a, uh, a storm down there in Tennessee. So uh, one other person we need to talk about before we get off here would be we also lost a, a really fine actress uh, best known for her role as Pussy Galore. Also, if, if if you also know right before that, uh, Honor Blackman was also uh, the um, uh, Kathy Gale in the black and white early version of the Avengers with Patrick McNee. And so we certainly want to mention her before we get off the line. Um, I'm trying to get uh, Stephen back here, so just a moment. Um, Anyway, we want to thank you all for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, let me just see here momentarily. Okay, what we're going to do, what we're going to do right now, unfortunately, with uh, his situation, we're going to call it a night. It's nine o'clock, uh, and. Um, We'll uh, continue this. Well, no, actually, he's right here. Just a moment. The power went Steven? out. Yeah, the power okay. went out. Well, well, I tell you what, we should probably uh, uh, pull this together. Oh. I was just talking very briefly before you cut out that uh, we should also mention Honor Blackman. Yeah, but... Before we mention Honor Blackman, let me bring up to finish what I was going to say. Okay. Uh, most people would say, and I would agree that the late 60s, 70s, and 80s were the best period for character actors that came out, period. Oh, I, I don't think there's any question of that, particularly the 70s. There's so many great character actors. Uh, Harry Dean Stanton, Michael J. Pollard. Uh, Bruce Dern. Bruce Dern. Sid Haig. No. Alan Garfield. Yeah, Alan Garfield. Donald Pleasance. Absolutely, oh, yeah, without a doubt, Pleasance. Uh, what's his name? He was a... 
He was a star in the 60s. Uh, he won the Oscar for Ed Wood. Oh, uh, uh, Martin, Martin Landau. Landau. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But still, oh, absolutely. the king of the character actors will always be Harry Dean Stanton because he's Harry Dean Stanton. You can name yeah, the movies and, and, he's in, but I dare you to remember the characters' names. Right. Compared well, to I, I'll don't tell you another one. Because the character doesn't have a name. Right. So, so I'll tell you one more we need to mention before we go on. Fuck you. I'm Warren Oates. Yeah, Warren Oates. Oh, absolutely. I mean, really, with Harry Dean Stanton, it's it isn't like uh, uh, Pretty in Pink. No one knows his character's name. Everyone knows Ducky, Molly Greenwald's character. They're like. And Harry Dean Stanton is good. And, you know, yeah. uh, he was great in the character, but it was always, oh, fuck it, Harry Dean Stanton. You know, and of course, you know, you you talk, you know, that guy, right? So Dick Miller yeah. is, is one of the, you know, but, but, but of course, Harry Dean, um, you got, you know, you got to see Paris Texas, period. <laughs> Seriously. And he wasn't even nominated for Best Actor, and he was the Best Actor that year, no fucking doubt. Yeah. There's so much. We grew up in the last really big period. The problem with the 90s is the indie films is the character actors became the stars of the movie. And if you wanted to be a famous actor, you had to be a character actor. Like, uh, damn it. Uh, Parker Posey, uh, Steve Buscemi, uh, John Turturro. Oh, yeah, Turturro's a good character actor, without a doubt. I'm trying to think of the guy who was originally cast as Marty McFly in Back to the Future. Eric Stoltz. Yeah, Eric Stoltz. He's one of those guys, to be honest, he had a chance to be a Hollywood star. They were grooming him, and he's like, nah, I want to be an indie character director. Yeah. Yep. Samuel L. Jackson. Or would he? Or has he crossed over just being a mainstream star? He's Samuel L. Jackson. Okay. <laughs> You know, nah, nah, he's a star, no doubt. Anyone who, anyone who reads over the net, go to fuck to bed, <laughs> and, yeah. and has a million, uh, you know, uh, hits on that. He's a star. And now we're moving on. Let's go back to, was it about '64 when uh, James Bond was riding in an airplane by with a rich guy? Yeah, that was 1964. And this woman walked in, and he's like, what is your name? I'm Pussy Galore. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes. And that Honor would be Blackman. Honor Blackman. The first. What's funny is she was the 
first female star of the Avengers. And for 90% of us Avengers fans, the last female star that we've seen. Yeah, that's very true. Because those particular black and white things from 62 and 63 were not released here in the U.S. until much, much later. I didn't get to see them until probably early 2000s, to be honest. Yeah, because they skipped over them because of how popular Emma Peel was. Well, Emma, there's a reason Diana Rigg was popular. And, and, yeah. and I'm sure that, that if Honor had kept with the show and, 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 and it had gone uh, 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 color like it did in 64 uh, and then released here later, uh, then then she would have been, you know, uh, uh, the Diana Rigg, without a doubt. No, she didn't no. have the legs in that ass. <laughs> oh, yes, she did. No, Back then, they they when you look up the word foot fetish and leg fetish mm-hmm. in the fucking dictionary, there's on her black, there's Diana Rigg just standing there going, hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me put it this way, and, and, and I'll say this to anyone. Diana Rigg made my puberty so much more culpable and, 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 and uh, so much more palatable, let's put it that way, yeah. without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, tell us a little bit about Diana Rigg while I look up her uh, Wikipedia and uh, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, well. What we're talking about, Honor Blackman. Let let me talk about Honor. Uh, so one of the things we've got to remember is okay. So she came in in 1964, but she'd been in several movies, uh, English films, uh, uh, since 1947. Okay, and and they were small roles, but you know she uh, she was in a movie called Diplomatic Passport. Uh, and, and that was a pretty big thing. That was in '55, uh, and that starred. Uh, um, uh, uh, well, no, that's not the one I'm thinking of. But Honor Blackman was in several films, and and uh, Delbane, uh, uh Affair. Uh, she Her first was, film was Flame of the Spur in 1947. 40, 47, right. And, and, and small, smaller films, and, and and that. But but the big thing that really took her over was when she started doing TV in in England. She started in 1958, uh, guesting on a show called African Patrol, and the Vice and Probation Officer was one of her first uh, regular roles. In yeah, TV African Patrol was 1958-1959. It's right. Pat Murray, Grace Ballard, Isabel Thorne. The fuck? Right. Explain that. What? How the fuck she have three names? No, not in probation officer. She was Iris Cope. I don't know what you're looking at. Uh, African Patrol. Okay, well, African Patrol, she, she guest starred. Oh, okay. different characters. 
I said her first regular role was probation officer. Then she was in a uh, uh, series called The Four Just Men, which was uh, um, only ran for one season, 10 eps. <coughs> but the first thing I, <coughs> I remember seeing her in was a matter of who, which is uh, a comedy, well, the World Health Organization. Terry Thomas, and oh. and, and, and she played, and uh, that I do remember her in, and she plays the 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 the, the ingenue in that film. Yeah. Um, and that's and a good little she film. Was in the Saint, which right, ironically she means she's appeared with two of the James Bonds. Oh yeah, she did. Yeah, absolutely. And then, and then the Avengers. And I will tell you this: she did very well in the Avengers. Uh, when I finally saw, and I saw about six or seven episodes uh, of her, I, I got a uh, a DVD, a cheap DVD that I rented, and they were really, really good. You know, and she plays it a little. Go ahead. Well, go ahead finish up the Avengers real quick. Well, the one thing that she does differently is 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 you're right about one thing. She's not as much of a uh uh sex symbol as as uh, Diana Rigg, but she she's more you know, she's tougher in a lot of ways. She 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 goes toe to toe with the bad guys, just like Steve does. Yes, and, I and, do. And, and, and yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, and <clears throat> none of the uh, uh, karate kicks or anything like that. It's yeah. more like punches and shit like that. Uh, and you know but she's what good. else is shocking about her character, and it made TV history. What? She, her character was the first main character in a TV series that died on air in an episode. Yes. Yep. Because she wanted out of her Yeah. Well, if you see what she has in 63, 64, and 65, I don't blame her. No, I don't. 64, Goldfinger's Pussy Galore may be the most well-known film, but the most well-loved film I think she would be in would be 1963's Jason and the Argonauts. Oh, absolutely. She played Hera. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Goldfinger, Odd Job. But when it comes to that era, give me, me and Carl agree. Give me Rosa Klebs, you know. Oh, absolutely. From Russia with love. I agree. I agree. But Jason and the Argonauts, the bonds, I think Ray Harryhausen's both amazing fucking accomplishments. Another one that we have to mention, too, is Life at the Top. Which was the yeah? Uh, that's what I'm saying. Sixty-five was in the secret of my success. Sixty-five mm-hmm. uh, was also life at the top. And by the way, guess who directed that? Who? 
Ted Kotcheff. That was Kotcheff's first Life film. Life at the top or secret of my success? Life at the top. Okay. And then she was in Shalako, which was the first film to be, one of the first films to be adapted from a Louis L'Amour book. And who did she also appear in that with? Uh, I have no idea. Sean Connery. Okay, that is Sean Connery. Yes. Yeah. And then she was in Twinkie. As mummy. Okay. Let's just skip past Twinkie. <laughs> okay, fine. It's not only sleazy and creepy, it's just b- bad. Let me see which one is this. I think this is the Bronson film. Right. Yep, it's the Richard Donner film with Bronson and George where a 40-year-old man has a love affair with a 16-year-old. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Nah, nah, nah. Not a good thing. And then she was in Kampf uh, und Rome 2, whatever. The Last Grenade. The Virgin and the uh, Gypsy. That's actually D.H. Lawrence. Uh, not horrible. Not great, but not horrible. D.H. Yeah, Lawrence wasn't adapted well until we had a crazy uh, British guy come in. Right, that's true. And next is one that a very interesting movie, and that's Fright. Okay. I just had a friend of mine review that and give it one and a half stars. <laughs> I didn't say it was good. Remember, I told you it was crap. It was <laughs> interesting crap. Susan okay. George is babysitting Honor Blackman's son, but what th- she doesn't tell her that Honor Blackman's husband, first husband, is in El Casa de Loco, and he breaks out and he starts doing the psycho stuff. It's not that good. And then she was in something big and bony. And then she is in Colombo Dagger of the Mind, which. You got Honor Blackman going back and forth with Peter Falk. Hey. <laughs> there you go. But wait until we get to the one I want to talk about. What? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, let's go to the one that's worthwhile. She was in one of the last Hammer films, and I think the second Dennis Wheatley film that they did. Third. Right. Dennis Wheatley. Third. The first was uh, the hidden, the one with the boats in there. Right. I can't remember the name of that one. And then it was The Devil Rides Out. Which is a great Then in 1976, The Devil a Daughter. To The Devil a Daughter. 
Which is a pretty good film, actually. Pretty good film. Not as good as The Devil Rides Out, but still pretty good. And was she ever in a movie directed by a sleazy, scummy porno director? Uh, I, uh, that would be... Well, I don't call him sleazy or scummy, but that would be Radley Metzger, and Radley Metzger did a version of The Cat and the Canary. And it was... Uh, it had all of those... It had a lot of Radley's visual tricks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and again, yeah. listen to the cast. Listen to the cast. Honor Blackman. Uh, James Fox, who we just saw. Wendy Hiller. Olivia Hussey. Carol Lindley. Peter McHenry. Wilford Hyde White. Talk about a fucking cast, man. Seriously. Uh, see if you can guess which one of these actors... Honor Backman, when asked about the cat canary, called her a dumb little silly twat. <laughs> My guess would be Wilfred Hyde White. No, I said actress. Oh, actress. I don't know. Who? Wendy Heller? Olivia Hussey. Oh, okay. You got to tell me that story. Well, what happened was is that let me get to the cast. Da, 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 da. Uh, the, it was during the dinner scene, and everybody else but Olivia was serious in her roles, and she was just being hee you know there. And Honor just basically got pissed off at her and said, you are a dumb, silly little twat, and you should shut up and act. Nice. Nice. But yeah, Wilfred Hyde White, Edward Fox, uh, Daniel Massey. I don't know why this film... Another, well, big thing was is that the story itself was creaky, and that's what it was called in 1979, you know. Those things are yeah. It's It's a good film. And Radley, though, though, though considered a exploitation, sexploitation director, he's a great director. And, and, and both Stephen and I will... We'll fight you to tooth and nail if you don't believe us. Well, Seriously. how many of the 70s adult guys in interviews or on our show have said Radley was the best? Yeah. All of them. Yeah. Hmm? What was it Carter Stevens said? There was Radley and there's the rest of us. Yeah, I think he said there was Radley, and then uh, uh, he did give uh, Russ Myers uh, a nod, and then behind him, Russ Myers, and then the rest of us, I think is the way he put it. Yeah. 
Now she was in, oh, this sounds interesting, uh, BBC adaptation of Orpheus in the Underworld. Okay. And she was in a TV adaption of Murder on the Orient Express. I don't know. Let's see who the heck was in that. Da, 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 da. I have never heard or seen this. Oh, is that after Doctor Who? No, before. This is... Uh... Oh, it was one of uh, BBC's Christmas... Uh, day specials. Okay, yeah, I I don't have that list. Those are hard to find. The one that you Uh, would know uh, best is what was the one with Albert Finney as a drunk guy telling ghost stories on Christmas? The Green Man. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. That's about the only one one that came over here. In 1986, she was in Teller of the Vervoids. Well, no, in 1986, she's in Doctor Who. Yeah, uh, that's and, the episode title. A par- no, it's Trial of a Time Lord. I'm right here that it says Doctor Who 1986 episode, Terror of the Vervoids, as Professor nope. Last. Yeah, no, but there's four of them. Okay, so what what this is, it's four separate episodes, or, or actually, it's it's an episode, four different episodes with this trial uh, that Colin Baker's in. And Professor Lasky, the third serial, the longer narrative known as uh, the Tile of a Time Ward, which compasses the whole right. twenty. 20- season of the British science fiction show Doctor Who. Right, okay. So so yeah. But she's We're in right. she's in four, four of those, right? Trial of a Time Ward. No, she's only in the third one. Right. No no no. But each one is four episodes. Yeah. I saw these. Okay. So she's in she's in that third part of it, uh Trial of a Time Ward. Part nine through part twelve. Yeah. And she's very good in it, too. She's very good in it. And then... Basically, if you go... The the, the next big thing that people would know would be Bridget Jones' diary. And that's as much as we're going to talk about that shit on this show. Well, that's fine, but I'm saying that's the one that people would know. Uh, uh. <coughs> so, what do you know about? What do you know about Tale of the Mummy, Russell Mulcahy? Because she's in that, and I've never even heard of it. Wait, let me see. If this is what I'm thinking of, it's a piece. Yes, it's a piece of shit. It was directed by uh, Russell McKay and starring Jason Scott Lee uh, and Christopher Lee. Right. It's one of those where they didn't want to spend the money they have to. Distributed by Bena Vista Home Video, Disney, and Dimension Films. It was uh, a cheap ship 
something from uh, Miramax's uh, exploitation era. Oh, when okay. they were just running to put, you know, really when the DTV market was at its biggest. Uh-huh, okay, gotcha. But you know, I'm looking they, at this, right? Look, look at this fucking cast. Look at this cast as far as supporting. John Polito, Gerald Butler, Shelley Duvall, Christopher Lee, Honor Blackman, Michael Lerner. Holy shit. Sean and with that cast? Yeah. Good Lord. It's yeah, one I of those where they didn't give it the money. And Russell was called in the last three weeks after the first director, who's never been named, just quit because he couldn't deal with working with good old Harvey. Oh, okay. Yep. So now she kept working until 2015. Uh, but, you know, she, you know, unfortunately uh, was relegated to doing smaller films and smaller parts. But that's why I mentioned yeah. the movie that we shall not mention anymore because you told me not to mention it because that's the one film that people would know her from and her later work. And another one who died due to complications of coronavirus was Hal Wilner. He was one of the big music, he was one of the music supervisors of Saturday Night Live. Right. And he produced albums from stars like Lou Reed, Rosinda Williams, and Marion Faithful, who is currently battling COVID-19. God damn it. Yeah. Oh, man, if she passes away, I'm going to be crying like a motherfucker. Seriously. Well, at least we got to mention her last night. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, we did. We did. And James Dury died. But, uh... Uh, he yeah, he was the star. Of the, he was a star of the Virginian, right? And and Vicky, who who we know as the mistress of sci-fi, uh, she posted about him and and how as a kid, she loved that show and and loved James Drury. Um, and I'm just looking up his his. Uh, uh, IMDb to see what else he did. Love me tender, love me true, make That's my... right, he did. He did. And then he went working for Elvis Presley when Alice was a good actor too. Pat Boone and Bernadine. Well, you know, there's a, a couple. Of films. What? I I was just going to say there was a couple of films. Uh, he was in Forbidden Planet. He was one of the crewmen. No. Uh, uh, I only forgot. And he, he died uh, after me and Vicky did that watch on Friday. Yeah, he died after. He was crewman <laughs> strong. He was also in Ride the High Country, too. Yeah. With Peckinpah. 
But you know what else he was in? And I forgot about this. He was in The Adventures of Briscoe County. Junior, yeah. And he was in Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah. Which Carl loved. (laughs) Yeah, right. Whatever. Not so much. No. Not so much. Uh, no, <laughs> no. Uh, Kung, Su- Kung Fu, the next generation. Right. That's not a bad little. That's not a bad little show, by the way. Yeah. It really isn't. And here's another one that I think Carl knows that more Nath is uh, Jay Benedict. Not offhand. He was nope, in The Dark sorry. Knight Rises, Aliens, Foil's World, uh, Downton Abbey, Dickinson, Beowulf, Call of Midwife. And here's uh, English one that kind of was pure but cool, Lee Farrow. She was in only one scene, but as soon as I say who she was, you'll recognize her immediately. Kittner's mother. She was yeah. Kit, Lee Farrell was Kittner's mother. The yeah, one who walked up after. to Roy Scheider and slapped his face while lifting her veil. Yep. Yep. And Shirley Douglas died. And mother of Kiefer Sutherland. She was married from to Donald Sutherland from 66 to 71. She was an actor in Lolita and some film from 1988 called Dead Wingers or something or Tangers. Yep, she had a small role in Dead Wingers. She was one of the uh, uh, patients. And she won a Gemini Award for the 19 TV film Shadow Lake. Which I do not know. Yep. I can't think of much else. I mean, uh... I'm trying to look for big ones that we missed. Oh, uh, uh... This is March 30th, but Tommy DePola died. He created the kindly Italian witch, Strega Nona. Now, I, uh, again, I have no idea who he is. And here's one that I'm amazed you didn't mention, which is uh, Christoph Pederinki. Pederinki. Uh, yeah, I didn't mention him because he's particularly classical music. Uh, but uh, the one thing about Pandarecki that I will have to say is 2001. He's in so many films. The Shining. Well, Kubrick loved him. Kubrick loved him. Uh, uh, but but if you take a look at Christoph Pandarecki and his IMDb, you will, you've heard his music in so many films, it's not even funny. Here's Seriously. one that you're 
really missed, which I'm really shocked. And he died on March 24th from complications of the coronavirus. And that's Terrence McNally. We already mentioned him on another show. I didn't know if we mentioned him or not. Oh, yeah, we definitely mentioned him. Yeah, if you're going back to the 24th, we've already mentioned those people. Yeah. Or, or at least most of them, I would think. Yeah, we did good, but, yeah. I'm sorry, but you idiots are saying that this is just a government conspiracy or you're not taking it as seriously as you could. This has been a brutal virus. I think this is going to be up there with the Black Plague and cholera. Well, this, I, I tell you what, I there was an article that said the 9-11 era is over now. Now it's the era of the coronavirus. And I think they're right. And to everyone who went to worship church over the Internet today, bless you, and I hope you had a happy Easter. Absolutely. And to all of you who went to your church today and got out of your house to go to your church and congregate because it was Easter, what the fuck are you thinking? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Seriously, that seems selfish. Yeah. It really is. Jesus say, stay healthy. No, where one or two are gathered, and it can be only one, you still have your religion, trust me. You don't need to give a virus to somebody else or catch it and give it to your family and have people die. Do not go to church. And I'm a church musician. I miss playing. Yeah. Oh, hold on, Steve. Is, is the Steve, Steve, what? Steve, I'm in the middle of something here. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, rant. That's Ray okay. Ball, That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I said, uh, okay, so where I was, if you go to church, if you went to church today, it was stupid because the idea here is you don't want to give – the, the virus to somebody else. You don't want to catch it, so you give it to your own family. Okay, I'm a church musician. Okay, I miss playing in church. I missed it terribly, but there is no way I was going to go. And the churches here in New York are shut for a reason, because we're trying to defeat this illness by flattening the curve. So people, be safe. Seriously, be safe. All right, and don't do what you're supposed to do. Keep your six feet, you know, uh, um, and and keep quarantined so we can defeat this illness. Okay, I'm done. That's all I need to say. And the hero of this is the Kentucky governor. He's not taking any shit. In Kentucky, if you go out during this virus, you will get a ticket and you will get arrested and put at home. And if you went to church in Kentucky today, the cops 
would take your license plate down, and you would be mandatory. Everyone in your house would be in mandatory lockdown and isolation for 14 days. Yep. That's you what you're supposed to do. Play. Yeah. Why do you think that we're working too hard to record all of a lot of us podcasters and uh YouTubers and things are overdoing it now so people can have new entertainment. Hell, CBS because they're running out of new product is starting up the CBS Sunday night movie again. Yeah. Yep. You know, and there's lots out there. I mean, there there are uh, uh, recorded. Uh, uh, Lincoln Center is doing a lot of uh, broadcasting of, of recorded shows, live shows uh, uh, from years past. There's so so much out there that you can listen to and watch. If you've got a streaming service, go find a movie you never even heard of and watch it. Seriously. There's stuff to do. Read. You know, there is a, such a thing as a book. You could do all sorts of things. There's a reason why Amazon and the, and the main in charge have declared that books, DVDs, video games are essential items. Yeah. And why would you consider those? Why would those three be essential items? Because you got to do something when you're quarantined. Yeah, and that's and, serious. So, and you need to keep your ass home. Yep. Exactly. Hell, the, the film that I consider the best film of this year so far, VFW. You can rent it now for three dollars and ninety nine cents, and if you have Direct TV cable, Epics is uh, free this entire month. And I just recorded a little 80-minute movie about uh, a guy who sees him with Pepper and his daughter trying to save him from these three things that put Pepper on him. It is a joke, but Carl Mm. knows what movie I'm referring to. No, I have no idea. Crawl. I've never seen it. You know the one with the alligators, Alexander Aja, Barry Pepper? Crawl, crawl, crawl. Okay, I thought you meant cruel. Okay, crawl. Oh, I love that movie. Friggin' love that film. Yeah, there's Crawl, there's Bumblebee, the actually good Transformers movie, Uh, Rocket Man, just all sorts. There is a way. Or watch porn. Or hell, even better, go to my friends, and there's a lot of great people, uh, of people, women, who are in the B-movie or just adult workers who will give you great content for cheap. Not only will you be keeping, one, the economy going, and two, get to see pretty naked women. (laughs) No, this is the third part and the most important part. Because you 
pay for their work, they will get money. And that money will go towards food, keeping the lights on, keeping, you know. Yep. It's always a chain. It's always a chain. And you know what this virus has really proved? That most jobs can be done by at home. And two, the people that we pay shit money to deserve a hell of a lot more fucking money than they fucking get. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No question about that. No question. So... I'm thinking about three groups of people. Uh, one, the, fa- the fast food or restaurant workers who are still working to keep the drive-thrus going, and especially and tip your. P- and if you order a pizza and have it delivered to your house, try your damnedest to tip the motherfucker, because they going through damn. Just think of what they're going through, just so you can have your pizza. Yeah. And all the Walmart workers, God bless you. All the Amazon workers, God bless you. The grocery workers, man, particularly. All of the nurses, doctors, bless you. Oh, yeah. All of the police who we're saying, no fucking assholes are fucking doing that, who are doing their damnedest to try to kill this shit. Bless you. Bless all of you. To all of my fellow podcasters who are doing insane work just for the pure sake of people have something to do. Bless you. Yeah. How many shows have we done this week? I've done this weekend. I've done one, let's see, starting Thursday. One, two, three, four, five. Five shows in four days, and then we've got one tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. weather permitting. And that yeah. should show you how bad that damn storm is. And not only are we dealing with the coronavirus, we got these giant storms, and Ohio got hit with a hurricane on Friday. That's what I heard. Yeah. But yep, come hell or high crazy. water on Thursday, we will be doing shampoo. If you want to keep up with us, get the Criterion channel. You'll get it free for days. And, Jesus, the level of goodness this month is they just keep getting better and better, don't they? Yep, absolutely. And, and again, if you want to really invest in the uh, Criterion channel and get it for free for a month, I would recommend watching until the end of the world uh, the four and a half hour cut because it's the only way you can see it. No, it's out on DVD. Oh, did it finally come out on DVD? Okay, never mind. Yeah, it came out on DVD back in November. Oh, okay. Back when you were running too fast to slow down and notice. Okay. Yeah, that happens. Trust me. No, that happens. Oh, right. Yeah. If you really want a perfect balance, uh, get Amazon Prime, Shudder, uh, 
what would you say is better, Carl, BBC or Acorn, when it comes to uh, getting British programming? Uh, well, let me put it this way. I don't know Acorn, so I have to say BritBox. Yeah, BritBox. And the Criterion Network. That way you'll have the best in horror. Uh, Netflix has their crazy crime stuff. And Amazon Prime is just prime. It has all sorts of stuff. And not only will you get the greatest of video, you get a hell of a discount on anything you buy through Amazon. And free shipping. Yep. Yep, and the Criterion Network is when you want to get Artie or get some obscure crap. Well, you know or what? I did uh, two shows. We did two shows with Noel Vera, uh, and they've got uh, at least three films by a director that he mentioned, Luis Braca, which I'm going to be watching, uh, particularly his big film, which is called Inchong. So, yeah, I mean, seriously, there's so much out there. I love the Criterion Channel. I'm just jumping And if down. you love action movies, I would say the best thing to do this month is get the Criterion Channel just for the fucking Toshiro Buffoni collection. Yeah. There's a reason why we have that meme that says, are you wearing a man bun? Are you been Toshiro Buffoni? Then if you're not, cut it off. <laughs> yeah. He's yep. the only person that can really rock a man bun. <laughs> Absolutely. I just posted in ISF about that, too. It's a good article yeah. about that. But, yeah, keep safe, and we love it all, and happy Easter to everyone. And, Carl, what's your favorite Easter hymn to sing? Uh, Jesus Christ is written today. Hallelujah. Actual hymn. Yeah. That's not what you expected, right? No, it's perfect. And with that, we got a, we got your Easter hymn too. If you wasn't able to go out to your church, we did everything. <laughs> now, if we yep. had Carl had a keyboard, we'd have him play for us. <laughs> but I don't, unfortunately. Uh, but I, I do hope uh, everyone had a wonderful Easter. I also want to give a shout-out to our Jewish uh, friends. I have many of them, and that they continue to have a holy Passover uh, because that that goes on until Wednesday. Uh, and uh, to everyone, have a great holiday, and we're, we're glad you were with us tonight. And a lot of them I've read are having... Uh... What is it? Uh, FaceTime. Virtual Seder. Uh, yeah, FaceTime Seder. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is, you make your Seder dinner, but you tell them FaceTime so you can eat with your family. You know? Yep, exactly. exactly. Like the song, and we're closing this, like the song says, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. And thus, love any way you want. Thank you for being family, Carl. Thank you to oh, Vicky yes. for being family. And thank you I to Tracy. I talked to her today. We... Yeah, just 
thank you. Absolutely. You are family. You'll always be family, Stephen. No question. And if I've only got one complaint to God, why couldn't you have made us a little smarter? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, I talked to Vicky about that. We were talking about that for over an hour today. Yeah. Good night, everybody. All right, good night. Thank you much, Stephen. Good night.